Bold initiative or reckless bluff? Emmanuel Macron turning heads at a hastily organized summit for Ukraine. The French president for the first time evoking the possibility of Western troops to thwart a Russian victory. One option among many, says Macron. He himself acknowledges that opinions vary. Otherwise put, well, he's very much in the minority. But with USAID lost in the gridlock of a, an election year over in Washington, Europeans, including the UK, showing a newfound sense of urgency as they watch the Ukrainians run low on manpower and ammo. We'll ask how far this continent can go about public opinion that's solidly behind Ukraine but wary of mission creep. And whether we're talking about the same Emmanuel Macron used to pride himself as the leader who can talk to Vladimir Putin. We'll also see Russia's reaction, Russia that's always backed his main rival, the far-right's Marine Le Pen. Today in the France 24 debate, Macron's boots-on-the-ground overture. And joining us, Christopher Weisberg, member of parliament from Emmanuel Macron's Renaissance Party, your constituency, North America. Thanks for being with us. Uh, thanks as well from Strasbourg, Viola von Kramen, member of the European Parliament from the German Green Party. Welcome back to the show. Hello, good evening. Georges Kuzmanovic is president of the La République Souveraine, the Sovereign Republic, is that how you translate? The yeah. political party. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. And uh, Craig Kapitas, contributing editor at the Daily Beast, uh, the author of Hunting, uh, Bear Hunting with the Politburo. Available at all fine bookshops. Okay. Your reactions on the hashtag F24 debate. Yeah, Monday's Paris summit was initially just billed as a brainstorm. In the end, it included more than some thought, uh, a Czech-led drive to build by bullets wherever available for Ukraine. And then, of course, this uh, bombshell of an announcement by the host, <coughs> Kamina Derek, has more. In a bid to rally Western support around Ukraine, French President Emmanuel Macron held a conference with leaders from dozens of countries. He said France would do whatever was needed, for as long as it was needed, to stop Russia winning the war in Ukraine, which could even include sending troops. There is no consensus today to send ground troops in an official, endorsed and sanctioned manner, but in dynamic terms, nothing should be ruled out. We will do whatever it takes to ensure that Russia cannot win this war. Macron announced that a coalition of states will begin to supply Ukraine with longer-range missiles and that Europe will step up provision of ammunition and other essential components such as powder. This as Russia's war on Ukraine begins its third year and Macron is worried that US support for Kyiv is flagging. A 60 billion US dollar aid package is slowly making its way through US Congress and some Republican lawmakers are fiercely opposed to it. And President Trump, who's also against sending further aid, could be re-elected in November. The EU, meanwhile, has delivered less than a third of the shells it has promised. Ukraine warned on Sunday that delayed deliveries of supplies from Western partners is costing lives on the front line, and some 31,000 Ukrainian soldiers have been killed on the battlefield since the start of the war. Both Macron and Zelensky warned that Russia's war is a threat to Europe as a whole. Everything that we do together to defend ourselves from Russian aggression adds security to all our nations for decades ahead, because each of Russia's losses and each of Russia's defeats teaches Russia and any other enemy of Europe and the free world as a whole that aggression does not and cannot get results. In recent days, Russia has made some advances, including capturing the town of Adivka. 
Christopher Weisberg, uh, Ukraine accepting. Uh, this has been roundly denounced by, um, I mean, almost all NATO allies, including in the last hour, the United States. Uh, was this a gaffe? No, it was not a gaffe. I think, you know, uh, pre first of all, President Macron didn't say that he was going to send troops uh, in Ukraine. He said that everything should be on the table. Uh, in a way to two years after this war uh, started to show our opponent, uh, Vladimir Putin, that we're ready to get into any kind of uh, reaction uh, if they are attacking Ukraine more and, and stronger. I think it's uh, very important. As you mentioned, President Macron was the first to have a very diplomatic approach with Putin uh, two years ago. And we've been under attack, and France has been under attack by, by Russia uh, in many different ways. And it's a strong stance. How, how so has it been under attack? Well, we've been under attack uh, if we talk about uh, what Russia's been doing in terms of information uh, threat, um, if we look at how uh, they are um, spreading disinformation uh, through Wagner in Africa, uh, creating a resentment against France, if we look at how they are systematically trying to destabilize uh, our uh, domestic affairs, yes, we are part of this uh, attacks from Russia. Uh, the, uh, of course, there's been a lot of domestic reactions as well. Uh, Georges Kuzmanovic, uh, the leader of the largest uh, opposition party in parliament, Marine Le Pen of the far right, she said that uh, his remarks uh, Put, uh, posed an existential threat for 70 million French citizens. Do you agree with her? Well, I don't care about what said the Mrs. Uh, uh, Marine Le Pen, but uh, anyway, it's a big mistake from the president of a country who has a nuclear weapon, which is France. And it's not only that we have nuclear weapons, we have nuclear submarines that allows her to hit Russia. We can attack or we can defend with nuclear weapon and we are the only continental, uh, only country in continental Europe with Russia to have this capacity. So we are, we are a special nation and it's 101 lesson in, uh, in nuclear warfare. You don't go with your troops in the contact with other troops of a country who has nuclear weapons. So it's a mistake. And anyway, as you said, the White House said, we, will send, we, will, we won't send any troops in Ukraine. Even the, the Poles said the same. Uh, Sweden, who just entered NATO, said, no, 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 no troops on the ground. So it's not very kind for Ukrainians because you have a president who's saying, oh, maybe we could send someday weapons. Uh, soldiers on the ground, and then in the next hours, all the countries saying, oh, no, 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 no. It makes the, our, us afraid, like in Russian, and not very mm, kind to, to, to the Ukrainians. So it's, it's completely absurd. Craig Kapitas, red lines in the last two years have moved. Um, Long-range missiles, at first, no way was, were, were there going to be any long-range missiles supplied. There were. Um, same with tanks. Um, they're now training pilots for planes, even though those have not arrived yet. So is this one of those ways of testing the waters? And was Emmanuel Macron right, or is George right that it's a little bit reckless on the part of a nuclear-armed power? I've covered Russia since 1980. The only diplomacy Putin and the Russians understand is cannon and musketry. Anyone who thinks anything different is whistling past the graveyard. Uh, the world, since Putin came to power, has been at war. Uh, we just haven't admitted it. Certainly the politicians haven't admitted it. Uh, 
We've had some 25 years of assassinations with impunity of Western uh, citizens and others in England. We've just recently, we've discovered that swastikas on Jewish cemeteries here in France were done by Russian agents. Uh, we've opened up our financial markets to the Russians. They've taken advantage of it. You mentioned Wagner, Wagner Group. Uh, they have, since Putin came to power, been operating, or people like them from Russia with impunity in, in Africa, buying up uh, all sorts of strategic materials using bribes, uh, which we can't do because it's illegal and we'd be put in jail and officials would be put in jail. So there is a war going on. Uh, Russia has been taking great advantage of the West. And I think we've reached a point now where we've run out of words to describe how horrible and ghoulish Putin is. All right. So let me, before I turn to Viola von Kramen, let's take a quick look at, at some of the uh, international reactions. And sh should it be point out, the, the, this Menu Macron statement, which was a response to a reporter's question, in a way buried the lead in a major U-turn for France at the summit. Macron dropping his, his insistence that munitions be made in Europe and now backing the Czech Republic's drive to raise 1.4 billion euros worth uh, of ammo for Ukraine. The Czech Republic, whose prime minister this Tuesday stopped well shy of responding in kind. Peter Fiala speaking alongside his Polish counterpart at a summit in, uh, of Central European Visegrad states. I will not speak for both of us, but I think I can say for both of us that we are not considering sending any troops to Ukraine. Okay, so that's the Czech Prime Minister. Now, since the 2022 all-out invasion of Ukraine, Germany's 180-degree turn on defense policy has been huge. It has included, for the first time, a permanent base for uh, the Federal Republic's troops outside its borders, a base that's due to open in Lithuania in 2027. But there are limits, says a blunt Chancellor Olaf Scholz. What was agreed from the outset among ourselves and with each other also applies to the future, namely that there will be no ground troops, no soldiers on Ukraine soil sent there by European countries or NATO states. Viola van Kramen, what was your reaction when you heard the remarks of Emmanuel Macron? Well, first of all, I think it's a very non-timely non debate. Um, and uh, second of all, I think we have so many other problems, we have so many other um, challenges at the moment that we should rather speak about those questions, those challenges, those... Uh, oh, I hear my echo all the time, sorry. I, maybe we can fix the tone. <laughs> Fix the tone. Uh, we'll, we'll try to we'll, we'll try to get that that sorted out for you. Apologies for that. You have, Sorry. You're, you're getting feedback in your ear. Apolo apologies for that, Viola. Um, uh, we'll, we'll try to have that fixed uh, uh, right away. Uh, by the way, uh, Olaf Scholz earlier in the day rejecting delivery of Taurus missiles to Ukraine, telling reporters that at no point and in no place should German soldiers be associated with uh, targets hit with this system. Once again, this fear of there being a direct confrontation on the battlefield and otherwise put uh, the chancellor worried that German military instructors would be needed for those Taurus missiles. And if you look at the map of what the front line looks right now, well, if the Ukrainians decided to take out the Kerch Strait Bridge and cut Crimea off from Russia, would that mean, Christopher Weisberg, that, in effect, the Germans are at war with Russia? 
Well, it's of course, it's part of, of the issue and it's part of the risk, it's part of the threat. We are uh, members of NATO and obviously uh, no one wants uh, something like this to happen. Uh, but once again, I mean, I, I, I want to try to understand your, your, your question. Um, well, the question is the Germans are nervous because if they deliver those Taurus missiles, are they, they they're going to come with instructors, mm -hmm. military instructors on the ground. So does that mean that the Germans are fighting the war? Well, obviously, if we are in the situation of, of supporting Ukraine much more than we did at some point, and that's precisely what President Macron said, we'll have to face increasing support, which could lead to have people uh, on the ground. This is an option. This is not something that we are playing with, but it is an option. And as you just mentioned, sir, uh, we are facing a very, very dangerous rival, Putin, who's ready to do anything. And he only understands this kind of talk. Uh, two years after what's going on, you, you, you talked about the gridlock in the, in the, at the U.S. Congress about uh, this aid of uh, 60 billions. Uh, France has a responsibility to be part of a coalition to support stronger Ukraine. Uh, uh, Viola van Kramen, uh, I, I hope the technical issues with the earpiece are, 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 are fixed. Apologies for that. Um, yeah, your thoughts on what is the, how far can NATO go, basically, is the question. I mean, first of all, let me just uh, reiterate. I think it's important uh, to look for a European solution. So I would um, give the French president um, some credit at least for this. But a debate on European soldiers, whatever this means, is absolutely non-timely. We have other um, challenges we need to fix now. Uh, you spoke about the ammunition. We spoke about uh, different categories of weapons which are urgently needed now. And we need to see which member state, which partner does do what. Um, I think uh, NATO is cautious for a good reason. I do understand why, but what Scholz, what our chancellor did to take away every option from the table is weakening us, is weakening uh, the Western alliance, uh, is weakening us here in the European Union. I think this is also not smart. So, so, he, so he made a mistake hand, when he, he made a mistake forward, as well. Which are unrealistic. Mm. What you're saying is that he made a mistake no, when uh, he said that, that he wouldn't be sending Taurus missiles to Ukraine. Absolutely. Because what he said is actually not true. Uh, you see that we were sending towers to Spain, to South Korea, without sending uh, German soldiers there. Uh, we know that uh, in the case of, of, of Britain, uh, they have solved the problems with a storm shadow. So there are uh, options uh, with and uh, without uh, soldiers on the ground which can be solved. So they need, obviously, there's another reason, and he's not telling the truth. And that, of course, uh, worries many people uh, in, uh, in, in Germany and in the European Union. What is the other reason? Well, uh, one can only speculate. Um, is, it, um, uh, is it because he's afraid of Putin? Uh, is it that he cannot read Putin? Is that that um, is there anything like compromise against somebody um, around him? I mean, you can speculate a lot, but definitely no, no. I mean, honestly, we need to see uh, the reality, and it's. Uh, I don't think this is too funny. I think uh, it is a bit worrying why uh, people in the European Union 
do not really would like to see Ukraine to win. Uh, <clears throat> and there might be reasons for this. Uh, and so those reasons uh, might um, kick back uh, when it is absolutely urgent in this moment, in this next weeks to come, to support Ukraine with military equipment. Um, and so there are some question marks. Uh, George Kuzmanovich, you heard Viola von Kramen with some blunt words for the German chancellor. Yeah, but this, what I've just heard is completely absurd. Germany sent more weapons than France. They, they send a lot of different types of weapons. Uh, Rheinmetall is uh, building factories in Romania and factories in, in, uh, in also in Ukraine. It, the, uh, and secondly, it's not only Olaf Scholz, it's the Bundestag who voted against sending Taurus missile, uh, missiles. And there is a big reason for that, is because it's not instructors that are going, it's programmers. It's a long-range missile that uh, is a... Uh, but you heard Viola von Kramen say you can get around that issue no, 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 that no, they no, have no, when no, they no, sold no, them no, to Spain can, and yeah, South you Korea. Can, you, cannot, you can have trained people and then you sell the, the weapon and then they use it by themselves. Mm. But this takes two years. So if you want to use right now Tauruses, and everybody, everybody knows that, and uh, in Kremlin they also know that, it means that you, you, you need to have already trained people which are Germans. That's the only reason why they're not sending that particular weapon. That's it. They're sending all the others' weapons. So this is not very fair regarding Olaf Scholz, I think. And regarding procurement, regarding how, uh, what, your, what should be the red lines in helping Ukraine? What's your position? Well, it's uh, obviously it's uh, n uh, nuclear weapons, uh, nuclear strike, and of course um, uh, soldiers on the ground, because that means fight between NATO or France against a nuclear country who has 6,000 uh, nuclear weapons. And maybe, I, I disagree with you, but let's say it's horrible, they are Nazis, it's, it's horrific, these guys are awful, but these guys are have the power in of a nation who has 6,000 nuclear warheads. So you cannot treat them like Libya or Syria or Iraq. It's not possible. You have to negotiate. That's it. You, you like it or you don't like it. And of course, maybe we don't like, but that's it. Or And plus... We are in a situation where we are using a lot of words. It's very fine, but it's not helping much Ukrainians because it, we are not hiding ammunitions in Europe. But you agree with Emmanuel Macron, no, no, who it, decided it, that uh, he gave up on the idea of it only being European ammunition. Yeah, but anyway, those ammunition does not exist much. So that's the big issue. The Czechs claim they can get 300,000 right away and uh, 500,000 very soon. Well, fine. So then send them. Yeah. This argument, it's like arguing how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. Your your position is no, legitimate. It's not at all. No, no. Your position of the in the nuclear question, I think, I think is legitimate. The the uh, the reality is, is that Putin's laughing, laughing at us, and what Macron has and has been laughing at the West for for twenty four years, and 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 Macron, to put it bluntly in in American terms, has finally grown a set. Uh, uh, albeit obliquely, he, he, he has finally addressed this reality that you cannot negotiate with Russia. You cannot. Now, it, well, let's make that, no sense that if, if you want to try, go right ahead. But what, what you're gambling with here is he just doesn't mm. want Ukraine. Read his speeches. I do. Watch what he says on TV. You're talking I about do. Vladimir Putin here. Yes. Yes, 
Uh, read what his little lapdog, his lap, his lap weasel, uh, Medvedev says. Uh, they have this dream of recreating a spiritual Russian empire in Europe and beyond. That this is evident to anyone who spends time studying the country. It's very difficult for the public to buy into. We are getting our clocks cleaned. Because what Russia is able to do, sub rosa in the West, to undermine what we would like to happen, we can't do there. He kills all of the opposition. He comes here and he assassinates people. We cannot do that. There is a war going on. Now, you're, I, I, and we have said in the past, we're just as guilty with the propaganda. Remember, oh, the leopard tanks are coming. The F-15s are coming. Well... No. The only way you can beat the Russian war machine is to take it on full tilt boogie. And unless the West gives them all the material they need, which they haven't been giving since this war started. But you agree at the time of the Soviet Union, they killed a lot of opponents. They put we're them not in the at gulags. The time of the Soviet they were invading you, that's uh, the past. Budapest. They were invading yeah. Afghanistan. But the reason why. If you want to have a discussion about, about, about the Soviet Union, let's do that. What happened then? That's another time. What you have here is Putin, who is no Gorbachev. And he's certainly not a Yeltsin. <laughs> he's not a drunk. And, and th there's some realities here that I think Macron's statement really put on the table. Where uh, let, let's, let, let's listen to what the Kremlin had to say. Emmanuel Macron's boots on the ground statement deemed, quote, significant uh, by the uh, Russian presidency spokesperson, Dmitry Peskov, asked what Western troops in Ukraine would mean for the probability of a direct confrontation between NATO and Russia. In this case, we need to talk not about probability, but about inevitability. This is how I estimate it. And these countries should estimate it the same way and be aware of this and ask themselves whether this is in their interests and most importantly, in the interests of the citizens of their countries. Uh, Viola von Kramen, uh, European elections are coming up, as you know. Uh, the uh, far right is riding high in many places. Will Dmitry Peskov's words that we just heard uh, resonate with a lot of voters? Well, to be honest, I mean, that is the, the goal uh, of the Kremlin, ultimately. They want to deter us. They want to scare us. They want to make us fear. They want to bully us. That is the KGB method. That is to destabilize societies. And of course, it will resonate in, in, in parts of the society. And that's why it is even more important that we become resilient, that we have leaders in our countries who know to stand up against such a bully, who know to react uh, on, on, on this show-off and uh, to, to this. I mean, as, as one of the uh, panelists has said, I mean, they have warned us all the time, you're crossing red lines, you're crossing red lines, you're escalating. Of course, they have the dominance to escalate, and they do whenever they want. It does not depend on any weapon deliveries, on, on, on any categories. Uh, so it is still, it is always in the hand of Putin. He can withdraw his troops by tomorrow. And it is not dependent on what we do, on how much we deliver and how much we support and how many, I don't know, military advisors are present in Kiev and things like that. So I would not to be too much worried. I would say let's really um, 
invest uh, and improve our capacities here, make sure that we really fill the gap uh, between now and the time when ammunition uh, companies, production places are ready in Germany and Spain and other places. And this um, needs to be monitored and that needs to do overtime. So I don't see that we react to the massive investment, uh, what Putin did, he works 24 seven on all his production places in, uh, in the war economy, in the different um, uh, companies, on the different locations. And I think our reaction is still rather moderate. You know, as a Green, it is really hard and it's really sad to talk in such a way. But I think we hmm. in the European Union have so much to defend, so much to protect. The democratic standards, I don't want to give up because the fascist regime in, in Moscow will take over. And I tell you, he will test us. I'm pretty sure if he wins, if he succeeds in Ukraine, he will definitely test Article 5 um, of, of some of the NATO you states. Bet you he will. I mean, in, in a hybrid form, in a, yes, in, hi, in a hybrid uh, form, he had tested us um, on many occasions, but I'm afraid he will try also with a, with a military. Francois, well, if, if I may uh, very, very briefly, I, I think it's very important for our viewers to realize that we here in Europe and, and throughout the West, India, our uh, uh, country of India as well, are, 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 are paying for this war. Putin's bringing in close to $30 billion a month just from India on energy resources. The amounts of money that we're still giving to Russia for this, that, and the other thing are huge. So, so we're, we're, under, we're underwriting his campaign, which is the ultimate hypocrisy of all time. And it, it was astonishing. I think we should all be astonished regardless of what side of the argument you're, you're on here, is that hours after, or a few days after Navalny was assassinated by Putin, the Americans said, we're having 500 more sanctions against the Russians. Well, where were those 500 sanctions 10 years ago when he first in invaded the Donbass? Or three years ago? Or when they went into Georgia? 500 more sanctions. We are, the West is still giving Russia operational capital for this. We haven't cut it off. So in, until that happens, until the markets say, Vissio, enough, over and done with, yeah, but, it's going to continue. Yes, but that, that's a mistake of the NATO strategy and U.S. strategy. We thought that we, the, we can defeat Russia uh, on an economic way. It was a complete disaster because they're, they're, com they're very strong and they're even giving, getting more money in Europe with gas uh, and sending less gas. So it's, it's completely <laughs> absurd. But yeah, but we are absurd. So, but what about what was said? We have to understand one thing. It's our mistake in Europe. We decided to privatize everything, even uh, defense industry. And all our defense industries are privatized and they are, they are built to sell weapons somewhere. They're not built to have a huge production or you, you can do it, but it takes years to, to build factories and to have all the process. We don't have that. To turn it into a and war economy. Yeah. How do you get it right, Christopher Weisberg? In Russia, they have that. How do you get it right? Because Russia's gone for a full war, wartime economy. Um, the French have uh, laid out in the last month's uh, papers for how to build up their own uh, defenses. But how far does it go? You know, I'm a member of French Congress. I see my colleague from the Green Party that is also a member of, of a coalition that is, haven't been in this wartime for 
70 years, uh, we have so many challenges to deal with. It is obviously what we've been changing over the last few years. We have a new plan for multi-years um, multi, uh, uh, for uh, building our uh, army uh, supplies, much stronger than we did. This takes time. I mean, we've been going through... Uh, different ages, this 2022 uh, change shift was a major shift for Germans, for, was a major shift even for France. We've been investing so much more over the last few months, but still, you know, we're still just less 2% of our GDP. We have to build this up, and uh, we have debts, we have many other challenges, but I think we're trying to raise this goal and to try to achieve it. But it just, this is not an automatic thing. The situation has changed over the last two years, and we're building up to be able to face these new challenges. Yes, but it's not, not serious regarding Ukrainians. We, they did the work. They did the job. We asked them, hey, guys, hold on six months against the Russians. We will uh, destroy the economy. Failed. They hold two years. And now, uh, where are the munitions? Oh, I'm sorry. We will build it. Because we don't have a war economy, because we have every, privatized everything, we don't have reserves, sorry. It's like the, when the COVID appeared. Oh, oh, sorry, we don't have uh, uh, factories to do, uh, to do uh, medicine or even paracetamol or uh, antibiotics, sorry. We will build it. Where are they? But the same. It's two years already. Where are they? Rheinmetall is building two factories and they will start to produce ammunition in 2026. It's two, it's two years. I mean, they will be in Kiev. And that's what we are promising to Ukraine. Uh, we promise something in Ukraine. We are not delivering. And if we continue and we do not negotiate, that's okay, why not? The Russians, they have the ammunition and the, and the manpower. So what next? They will take uh, Zaporizhia. Maybe in the, in the spring. Or Kharkov. Kharkiv. Or maybe uh, Odessa. Who knows? I mean, Putin said it clearly. Uh, he said, oh, you want to put uh, Ukraine in Europe? Okay, fine. I remind you that Odessa is a Russian uh, city. So, <laughs> you, you have, it's easy to read in, uh, between the, the lines. It means we will take Odessa. And what will you say to the Ukrainians? I'm sorry. We are building our uh, weapon uh, factories. But it's too late, sorry. And that's a big problem. I mean, it's not serious. Dr. Peters? God, I hate to agree with you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. There was a bill of goods, and now there's a lot of buyer's remorse over, over But it's explained Ukraine. in part by what Christopher Weisberg just said, that we were just not used to war anymore. That on, that's right. on this scale, Putin is. That, that, that's what I, I, I tried to say so, starting off here. This, we, World War III has been going on as we sit here. I don't know what official has to stand up in the National Assembly or the U.S. Senate and, and use that phrase. But this is World War III, ladies and gentlemen. It's just not being fought do, like... Do you agree World with that, Viola von Kramen? Do you connect the dots between what's going on right now in the Middle East, what's going on right now uh, in Sudan, what's going on he, uh, in Ukraine, and say that uh, all, all this is all linked? Well, I mean, clearly we see that uh, Putin tries to um, uh, ally with uh, some forces who are detrimental um, against the West. And we see especially uh, the Houthi militia. Uh, we see definitely um, Hamas being connected uh, to, to, the, to the Kremlin. Yes, we see a lot of uh, different coups and forces in Africa. 
um, toppling democratic governments uh, over, which are supposed to be our partners. Um, and yes, it, it seems to look uh, that there is a connection. But for me, to be honest, I think uh, the most difficult question is really how to end this war on the European continent for the moment. Because I'm pretty sure if we make Putin lose uh, this continental war, uh, things might also change uh, in other places. Uh, if he becomes or if he is on the defensive in Ukraine, if he has to withdraw his troops at least from big parts of the southeast uh, of Ukraine, uh, this might um, uh, lead to political changes also in, in, in Moscow. This is what I very much assume. That's why it is so unfortunate. That's why it is so pity that we did not make it happen uh, last summer, uh, this winter, that Ukraine was not um, um, superior and that they could not. Uh, okay, so take attitude, of, attitudes uh, of, of have changed a lot. Um, remember the old days, 2019, when Vladimir Putin was invited to the French president's official summer residence on the Riviera, the Fort Brigançon, there you see the images. The same Emmanuel Macron who'd rolled out the red carpet at Versailles for his Russian counterpart uh, after his first uh, election in 2017 and tried his hand at last chance diplomacy, that famous uh, long table he sat at in 2022 at the Kremlin to try to stop Putin from uh, going for Kyiv. Uh, uh, you could say, Christopher Weisberg, that all the jokes made in Eastern Europe about Macron being too wishy-washy, at least those will go away with, with all of this. <laughs> is it the same Emmanuel Macron? Why is, he, why is he suddenly sort of ahead of the game? Is it because the Americans aren't there? Well, you know, uh, when you look at history, it's always um, surprising and sometimes ironic. I mean, if you look at uh, leaders shaking hands with Adolf Hitler in 1936, <laughs> obviously, years later, you feel that. No, but I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not making a comparison. I'm just saying that we're showing some pictures of President Macron shaking hands with Vladimir Putin four years ago. It was a different time. It was a different period. I personally was always very skeptical about Russia. Always, I know that French diplomats had a much more uh, different vision on how we could uh, create ties with Russia. And then 2022 appeared. And obviously, experts like you, sir, knew about what was going on for many years. And we were probably a little yeah. too naive about the whole situation. So but yet, of course, showing pictures of what happened four years ago seems completely ridiculous uh, towards the situation. Well, it's a question of, of whether Emmanuel Macron's changed. Or if, uh, of course he's changed. Of course he's changed. And he's changed, he's changed for, for many reasons. And he's changed. Uh, I think that he was not trying to push war, and the situation has changed so dramatically over the few, last few years that it is today a different debate. When you talk about Joe Biden, uh, Craig Capitas, somebody who's been on Capitol Hill since 1973, half a century, um, he knows what's, what was called during Soviet times the language of deterrence. Yeah, he knows it. Did Emmanuel Macron, with his Monday night remarks, sort of get a failing grade when it comes to the language of deterrence? No, I don't, I don't think so. I, I, I think, again, Macron grew a pair on Monday night. Mm. He, 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 you know, uh, uh, he's, he's, he's done it, albeit subtly, you know, uh, obliquely, but he started to address this reality that, it, uh, that Russia wants all of Ukraine and it's not going to stop there. 
and that and that I wrote a col uh, an article a few months ago. Sorry to go back on this. It was addressing whether good and evil. Putin is evil. I talked to all of these experts, philosophers, uh, people. Uh, it, Putin and his regime are evil characters. You don't you don't see. Uh, Im immigrant populations from Africa trying to go to Russia. They're all trying to come to France, to England, to the United States. Because it's, we had colonies there. Well, it, yeah, Some but reason. you don't see anyone going to Russia to say, oh, please, you don't, you know, you see Putin mobilizing, Putin mobilizing immigrant groups, paying for them through the KGB, which has been documented, to have them cross borders. It's been going on uh, in Belarusia. We've seen it in Poland. It was going on in Finland. The guy's a son of a bitch, full stop. So I think what, what, what Macron did in his very French way, he tried the diplomacy, good for him, and he's finally realized that it doesn't work. So where does he go from here? He comes out and he says what a lot of people say privately, have been saying to me for two years, privately politicians, we got to oh. do something. Let, let me ask you, George Kuzmanovich, um, there's uh, this breakaway part of Moldova, which is a neighbor of Ukraine. Transnistria. Transnistria. Like uh, Ukraine, Moldova, part of the former Soviet Union. And in the last weeks, there have been these fresh noises that maybe Transnistria will ask to be annexed by Russia. Yeah, they will. And what would, should be the West's reaction then? I don't know. You have the, there is 10,000 uh, Russian soldiers in Transnistria. Maybe you know that already. And with a huge, huge stockpile of, of ammunition, by the way, right there in Chesno. But regarding what happens, it was seven years ago. So you're saying you shouldn't, you don't know what the West should do? I, 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 yes, I, I consider. I disagree completely with you. I know uh, on the on the <laughs> on the negotiation thing. I agree with Kissinger, with Hyde. I agree with Kinnan. I agree with uh, Marsheimer, I agree with John uh, Jeffrey Sachs, I, I think you disagree with them, the Americans, and the, the only thing to do is negotiate. You don't negotiate with a friend. With a friend you go to take a beer, you sit uh, or have a party, uh, but you negotiate with opponents, yeah, enemies. Here we have to find a, a, a way to negotiate the, uh, the, our, our global way out from war. Christopher Weissman? continue that because it will be the third uh, uh, European civil war. I think 2024 is a turning point. I think we are right now at a moment where it is very hard to find a path to negotiation, but we have to be strong enough to be able to negotiate. No, it's easy. The the Ukraine out of but NATO, that's it. And, and you remove your troops. Basta. Well, then Russia wins. No, you just Ukraine is not in NATO. So what happened? That was the that was so, the base. So what is of the, the difference with what's been going on? In 2022, on? in March and April, we know it from uh, Naftali Bennett, who was prime <coughs> minister of Israel at that time. It, this was the memorandum of Istanbul. It, the negotiation, uh, the, the, the proposition came from Ukrainian, from, from Kiev, from Zelensky. He said, "We go neutral, and we uh, we take back our 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 take back the Donbas, the Donbas." And then that Vladimir the, Putin invades. We're running short on time. Down. So Viola von Kramen. Uh, uh, your thoughts on 2024, just very briefly, because we're out of time. Well, I'm afraid um, it matters how fast we can deliver now. And we repeat ourselves. But uh, I mean, for negotiations, you need somebody to, ne to negotiate with. You need somebody who is ready to uh, reach out and to, to make compromises. And I have not seen that Putin so far has shown any uh, political will 
to give up his um, ultimately goals. And, and, and this is uh, to topple down uh, the government in Kiev, to occupy the entire territory and to make sure that Ukrainians cannot live as Ukrainians anymore. And of course, none of us here or in Washington or in any other capitals uh, would throw Ukraine, as we say in German, in front of the bus. So I don't know what we are speaking about. There is no other alternative for the time being than sending military equipment to Ukraine and make sure that they come into a position from where they can start negotiating. Can start negotiating. I do not see at some point, yes, but not now. But not right now. Uh, Final word. After the death of Alexei Navalny, a Russian court this Tuesday sentencing the co-founder of the Nobel Peace Prize winning human rights group Memorial to two and a half years in jail for denouncing Russia's assault on Ukraine, seven-year-old Oleg Orlov uh, convicted to a stiffer sentence uh, on appeal. Uh, We're out of time, Craig Kapitas, but if Vladimir Putin can crush his opposition, but can he crush it too much at this particular juncture? No, it's Russia. He can do whatever the hell he wants, and he's going to do it. Uh, Here, I I have to say a word. I know very well Russia. This is insane. There is an opposition, a liberal opposition in Russia, but they are very weak, and they represent less than 5%. The real opposition behind Putin, and you don't want them to be at at his place on the Kremlin. If you know Russia, you know know that these are crazy dudes. They consider that Putin is... For too even, soft, is if, it? No, even using the word traitor for some of them, because he did an attack in 2014, and he did an attack with full scale in uh, 24 uh, of October 2020. They're insane, and these guys are not just dudes that are behind computers or guys like Navalny or doing many, uh, demonstrations. That guys are generals, or uh, ministers, who are uh, oligarchs that have power and. Peter's one and, word because we're out of time. At that time one word because we're, we're out of time. Go ahead. One word on this. Putin is going to do whatever the hell he wants to do in Russia, and there's nothing the West can do to stop him. In Russia. Oh, All right. On that happy Russia. note, we'll uh, we'll leave it there. Craig Kapitas, I want to thank you. I want to thank you as well. Christopher Weisberg, George Kuzmanovich, I want to thank you as well. Uh, Viola von Kramen for being with us uh, from the European Parliament in Strasbourg. Thank you for being with us here in the France 24 debate.